Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program again this week, and uh, I trust you're enjoying watching every week as we unpack some things from the book of Joshua. We just started last week talking about the book of Joshua, and I have on the set with me again today my oldest son, Jeremy Hiles, who is the pastor of Word That Frees, and there'll be some information on the screen about how to contact him and his ministry. But he has a church that he's planted in Winchester, Virginia. It's in the early stages of a church plant there. And uh, uh, you would be blessed if you went by and were part of a meeting there uh, at their church. They meet at a place called Sweet Nola's. It's a restaurant there that I think uh, you could find very easily. There's information uh, on their website as to where that's at. It's good to have you on the program Always again good to be here. Uh, this, this week, Jeremy. Um, we're talking about the book of Joshua. One of the things that we begin to unpack and or begin to share with you last week is how that these, this book of Joshua to me is a powerful picture because it was in fact to uh, you know the first century church. Paul used scripture to hang this on. He said now all of these things happened to them, speaking of Moses and Joshua and the children of Israel. He said all of these things happened to them as examples for us, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. And I dealt with the ends of the ages a little bit last week, so I'm not going to go back and reiterate that. I will say this to you, if you missed it, you can go back and watch it on YouTube. And uh, every matter of fact, everything that we have aired to date is available to you to watch on YouTube at your leisure, as well as the audio portions of this are available on our podcast on iTunes and on Android. The easiest way to do that is go to my website, at, and you'll see at the bottom of the screen our website address. Go to that website, and there's a direct link from there to our YouTube channel, our podcast, and uh, you can enjoy those for free, and they'll bless you. But we are, this is uh, number two program we've talked about, the book of Joshua. What we begin to share is, I'm going to read it again from verse 1. It says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel, and every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. Uh, every place you put your feet belongs to you. So there's something here that's saying to me, you need to walk in this. Mm -hmm. You need to step into this, Jeremy. Mm -hmm. uh, that there's something, you know, that in Christ, what we begin to share last week is that the promised land in the New Covenant is more than a piece of real estate. <coughs> Hebrews chapter 3 says uh, that, that the promised land is rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so in Christ all of God's promises are yes and amen. And if you're in Christ then uh, you are an heir to the promises. And that's really what we want to draw attention to so much that can be said from the book of Joshua but we want to show you that there's something relative to where we're living at today mm -hmm. 
from these Old Testament pictures, just like it was definitely to the first century church. Even, you know, it's amazing, Jeremy, even when, you know, after Jesus' resurrection, I'd have loved to have been on this walk, on the road to Emmaus. There was two disciples that were walking, and they were pondering what things had occurred in these three days and three nights. Nope. And to me, those three days and three nights are inexhaustible. I, I said recently, you know, there's a lot of fights over right now, and people wanting to divide over different um, atonement theories. Mm -hmm. And uh, they say, well, I'm in this camp, or I'm in this camp, or I'm in that camp of atonement theory. And I'm thinking, you know, as I studied some of them, there's pieces of truth in each one of them. And I'm thinking, you know, we are kind of arrogant if we think our view of the atonement is all there is our revelation is awful finite, because I believe we will be discovering throughout eternity what really happened in those three days and three nights. And to think you got a corner on it, I think is a little bit arrogant, you know, uh, because we are, I mean, that ought to be what we major on. And we do in this ministry. We, minister, we major on the finished work of Jesus. But in that three days and three nights, as they walked on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus appears to them. And so he's just walking to them. Now, they don't know it's Jesus. He, their eyes are withholding. They don't know it's him. And so, you know, he, and he's talking to them, and, and, and they look at him and say, Are you a stranger in Israel that you don't know what happened here? These three days and three nights, which uh, Jesus is probably laughing under his breath, like, I'm probably the only dude here that really knows what really happened in three days and three nights. Yeah. You guys are going to be studying it throughout eternity because it exacted a whole lot of stuff for you now. But I love this because then the Scripture says, and he beginning with Moses began to teach them all things concerning himself. It was a seven and a half mile walk. I'd have liked to have been on that walk. Yeah. When he was unfolding the Scripture and he was probably saying to them, you remember that lamb that was taken out? How was that lamb? You know, yeah. you remember whenever I brought you through the Red Sea and you were baptized in water? Now in the New Covenant you're baptized into Christ. Yeah. You remember when they came to Sinai and the cloud came down and God gave them the law and 3,000 people dropped dead in the New Testament. Fifty days after I was slain and brought you out of Egypt, I filled you with the Holy Ghost and 3,000 people were added this time. So, you know, he's showing them the differences and he's beginning to, he probably said, the tabernacle is a picture of me. The offerings that you did by ritual was only a shadow. I'm the substance. Yeah. A shadow is something that's standing in the light. It's like there may be just a little shadow on this, this cup, the way the lights are hitting in the studio. And, you know, I can look at the shadow, but if I keep walking and moving towards the shadow, I'm going to find the thing standing in the light. I'm going to go, oh, that's the cup. You know, that's yep. the shadow of a cup. But right there is the substance. What Jesus was saying is all of this other stuff were shadows. They're types and they're pictures, but I'm the substance. And now you have access. Yeah. Moses is dead. The old covenant is no longer in force. Yeshua, Joshua, Joshua's name is the same Hebrew word as the name of Jesus, yep. is now on the scene. Moses brought you out, but Yeshua is going to bring you into your promise. Yeah. And so they are standing in the fulfillment of the promises of God that were much more than just a piece of physical real estate that you and I could step into this, even this day to ourselves, you know, because he said, and, and this is one of the powerful things that I just, you know, felt like I 
wanted to emphasize for right right we get started. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given to you, as I said unto Moses. In other words, you got to get up. You know, the work is finished. But Hebrews said that they did not enter in because of unbelief, although the works were finished yep. from the foundation of the earth. So faith, and it says they didn't enter in because of unbelief. But it is to me the preaching of the gospel that creates faith yep. and says, listen, you can get up. You know, in other words, grace and finished work does not mean to me we become spiritual couch potatoes. Yep. It means it says, this is all yours. Go take it. Yeah. I'll let you have it there. Yeah, yeah I mean, we, I've said to our people, you know, it's that, uh, you know, you've, if, you've, if you've been given houses you did not build, vineyards you did not plant, it doesn't do anything good if you don't go move into that house. Yeah. You know, you, you can have all that. You can have all those blessings. You go, woo, I got all that. But if you never move into that house, it's not going to profit you yeah. anything. Uh, one of the things, I believe it's starting in uh, about the 13th chapter of the book of, of Joshua, is that he finally tells them, you know, because they're, they, they've, they've gone on this campaign of entering in, but it's, it, the blessings are so big, they can't even do it in a lifetime of Joshua. And Joshua finally tells them in the book about, I believe it's about chapter 13, he tells them, seeing that the land is subdued before you. Go walk through it and start and start defining some borders. Start defining where your where your where your promise is. And so you know because he tells them every place the sole of your foot touches, that's what I'm giving you. So he tells them in the book of chapter 13. He says this stuff is so big. He said you're going to start walking some stuff out and start defining your borders. Start defining what the blessing is. And I think sometimes. Uh, you know, I, I just hear I just hear the Lord saying somewhere for that for us as well is that sometimes we need to start defining what is our blessing, what is the yep. Lord wanting to give to us. You know, sometimes we are. Now I tell you what, even even one of the pitfalls of ministry is we define our ministry according to what somebody else is doing. Yep. You know, we look at something that looks successful and we start defining our ministry according to that, and then sometimes when it's not successful, we go, well, why isn't that successful? Well, because that's not your border. No, that's not your assignment. That's not your assignment. Yeah, that's yeah. not your, you know, you need to start, you know, what you need to do is get the soles of your feet yep. on some things that are yours. Yep. You start defining what and your border is. And he told them in something, he said, arise, walk through the land, and describe it. In other yeah. words, somebody's got to start declaring what it is. What it looks like. Yeah. What this, you know, and like I said, we're so quick to, you know, uh, not, again, this is not, this is not to offend anyone, but you know, we're so quick to sing songs about we're going into the enemy's camp and take back what he stole from us, but we don't even know what our own camp looks like. Yeah. You know, we haven't defined our own land. We yeah. know what the enemy looks like. We know what he's doing over there, and we've spent so much time looking at what's going on over there that we haven't defined what's ours Yeah. and what God wants to have for us. And somewhere we've got to begin. Uh, here's the thing. The Scripture says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of the Lord. Somewhere we've got to stop talking about what the enemy's doing, and we've got to start talking about what Jesus is doing, yep. what He's already accomplished, what He's already given us. We've got to start describing the land. We've got to start walking through it, show, seeing where our borders are, what, how big, because this, I'm telling you, sometimes we have, because we haven't walked through the land and we've not described it, we've limited it. it. We've made it a lot smaller than what it really is, because when you start walking this thing out and you start looking at it and describing it, you see there's a lot more the Lord wants to do, and I'm telling you, there's a lot more good that the Lord's doing in this day and age right now that He's done for a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, we think sometimes, well, the good old days when this was happening and then this revival and all that, and we don't describe to a generation that's living right here, right now, what they can have. Sometimes we're quick to describe what the wilderness looked like. Yeah. 
you know, and what the miracles God did in the wilderness, that we don't equip another generation to say, but here's the promise. See, that was, you know, like you talked about the shadow, the, 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 the wilderness was a shadow of what God wanted to give yep. them in the promised land. And there was a whole group of people, I believe there was two tribes that they two and thought, a that, that thought, you know what, it seems so good back here in this, this wilderness, we'll just stay here, we'll help you get your inheritance, but we're just going to stay here in this wilderness yeah. where the past revivals and all that stuff was. You know, and what some, I, I think somewhere somebody's got to start talking about how good the land is now. Yeah. How much, where, what this promised land looks like and start describing it and walking through it and defining some borders to another generation that can, inha- can begin to inhabit it, that begins to teach that these giants are not big. Yeah. These giants are not undefeatable. The things that we think that are for some other day yeah. are really for a generation. It's for today, for a generation that says yeah. this, we're well able today yeah. to take the yeah, land. Yeah. You know, Hebrews was is that it's blessed when somebody calls it today. Yeah. You know, and there has to be a generation. You know, we talk about, you know, we preach scriptures all the time. says there's a generation that won't taste death. And we're always looking, but that's a generation some way away from here. But man, what if we start describing what the promised land looks like now, and we start preaching to a generation that's on the scene right now that begins to defeat death? Maybe it means I get to live too. See, that's my whole assignment in preaching, you know, and where I'm preaching in our churches. I'm preaching because I'm looking at a generation and saying, hey, look, I'm going to preach to you the true power of God, the true power of the promised land, the things that Jesus has given you now. Because if nothing else, maybe it'll be my preaching will be my salvation because I've equipped another generation that can turn around and begin to bless me. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, you know, uh, future generations, you know, I believe it was when... Uh, you know, when, when generation would get to pass and he would, you know, they would bless their sons, those sons would also turn around and bless their father. Mm-hmm. You know, somewhere we've got to stop talking about how bad it is and how big it is and how, uh, you know, uh, this is just too much for us to do and yeah. start empowering a generation that says, through Christ, through him, we can do all things. You know, that it's not bigger than what, you know, the, the, that even the salvation of the world is not bigger than can take place within our lifetime. Mm-hmm. You know, we sometimes look at the world and go, well, they, it's too big, it can't be saved. But the scripture says, God so loved the world that he gave his own begotten son that they might be saved. Yeah. You know, so I don't think it's meant to be too big. I believe it's just simply when we begin to preach and equip a generation that says, you can do this. See, faith comes by hearing. We start equipping a generation that says, you know, here's the thing, when Joshua takes them into the book, or, or goes to take them into the promised land, he doesn't give them an option. He says, prepare your victuals. For in three days we're going over this Jordan. He doesn't give them an option of, you know, we're going to go and look and see how things are, see where the best place, to, you know, to cross this river is going to be, you know, make sure that, you know, we got some place to go when we get over there. It's 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 this. It's that we're going over here because we're well able to take the land. I believe somewhere somebody's got to declare that this is the generation. This is yeah. the day of the Lord. It is today where all the blessings of the Lord are yes and amen. That. This is the word of faith that we preach. Yep. You know, that, that yep. Christ is already, seeing that the land yep. is already subdued before us. Let us go and walk and begin to describe it and, and inherit what God wants to give us. You know, because it's, it's there, it's available to us now. And I believe in preaching to a generation that will receive it. It begins to create faith and maybe it will be to the salvation even of me. Yeah, you know, I was thinking while you were saying that about, uh, you know, uh, even where I came from was a lot of bondage. But your generation didn't see that bondage. 
there was a generation that even in our stuff, and, and when I think about even bondage, for instance, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, we use the terminology Egypt. He brought these children came out of Egypt, and were headed to the Promised Land. And a lot of times we've said, well, Egypt is the world, and it can mean that as well. But Revelation 11 verse 8 really kind of hangs something for me uh, to hang this really on. What he said, their dead bodies. Talk about the two witnesses will lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Well, our Lord was not crucified in Sodom and Egypt. He was crucified in Jerusalem. But it says it was spiritually called Sodom and Egypt. So the Holy Spirit makes a connection to Jerusalem and the centerpiece of Judaism and the Old Covenant as being Egypt. So while we were not under full-blown law, we were under a lot of legalism yeah. growing up. So my generation came out of a lot of stuff. Yeah. I was thinking last weekend I did a 30-year a anniversary service uh, for um, a, a ministry that I've known for a number of years, really poured into. And uh, in, the, in the banquet that they had, and I, this, I, I hope it don't offend Christians, but uh, if it does, I'm sorry. I don't mean it to be offensive. But they had some ballroom dancing. It was, in, it was done in a ballroom. Mm -hmm. And so they were dancing a little bit and celebrating this 30 years. It was like, you know, almost like an anniversary party, which it was. And I sat there and thought to myself, you know, uh, I never learned to dance. And I thought how when I was growing up that that was a sin for us. Mm -hmm. Never got to go to a prom, never went to my high school prom. And so many times my wife and I have been on vacation. I said, well, I wish we knew how to dance, you know, because it's something you ought to be able to do with your wife. Yep. I'm not talking about going out in clubs and everything else, but I'm talking about this was a celebration yeah. of a 30-year ministry thing, and I thought it'd been nice. But see, your generation didn't have to walk through that where you were in bondage, where you couldn't enjoy yeah. the simple things of life sometimes. Yeah. And so, you know, your generation, even when you all hear me talk about some of the stuff that was preached when we were growing up, it's like you've not really ever seen mm -hmm. that before. And then the generation that's next you know, they weren't born in Egypt or in the wilderness. They've been born in the Promised Land. They were born in Zion. Now, we may not be fully aware of what's ours in Zion or where we're at. Sometimes I think, like the writer of Hebrews said, we live like strangers right in the land of promise. But here's one of the things, while you were saying that, that I felt like the Lord just kind of dropped in my heart, and actually even before, uh, you know, uh, we came over. Uh, but uh, Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30, this is from the Message Bible. It says, Are you tired? worn out, burned out on religion, come to me. In other words, are you tired of living in the wilderness? Are you tired of a 40-year camping trip? You know, are you tired of, you know, the religious treadmill? If you're not there yet, I doubt whether our ministry is going to be able to help you. Yeah. Probably going to make you more mad than we make you see. But sometimes the truth will make you mad before it makes you free. And uh, I'm not saying that to try to be facetious. I'm just trying to say sometimes it takes up to shock us. But he said, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me. And this is what really stuck in my spirit. And you'll recover your life. And I started thinking in the generation that you guys are in even. I started preaching this. Yep. As I was preaching this 30-year anniversary last week, I was thinking it was their 30 years. Come spring, it'll be 40 years of full-time mobile ministry for your mom and I mm -hmm. of traveling. 40 years, that's a pretty good track record for 40 years of travel. But we started preaching this gospel. We started preaching the kingdom, and then we got a revelation of finished work, then we got a revelation of freedom from the law and the grace of God and all that goes. It's been an ongoing unfolding of revelation. 
But I started thinking about how we started to recover our life. In other words, the real gospel will give you back your life. It'll give you back your peace, your joy, and the life is what becomes the light. And so I started thinking about how what I taught, for instance, because we were told in the 70s, I remember opting out of physical education in high school because it was a sin to wear shorts. And the principal said to me, I, I, I respect your religious beliefs, but I can't give you a diploma without at least two credits of physical education. And my pastor said to me, you don't need to worry about an education. You'll never see the end of the 70s. Jesus will be back. Yeah. Well, here we are in 2018, and that was bad counsel, mm -hmm. because to me it was bad theology that robbed, started robbing generations for years. We had no motivation to get education, no motivation to get invest for retirement. I know friends of mine who opted out of Social Security because they didn't believe they'd be here, Jesus would be back, and now they're in their 60s and have no income. So bad theology will rob you of your future, yeah. but it also steals the dreams of our, our youth and our generation that are God dreams. Yeah. But I think about you all, and I think about you know what we've gotten and seen happen as I preach the gospel that says, we're not evacuating, yeah. we're going to occupy. We're going to advance the kingdom. We're going to live in houses we did. We're going to long enjoy the fruit of our land. And, uh, you know, we started teaching. You need to get an education. If you've got a dream, reach for it. And I look at it now, and I see your wife as a medical doctor. I see my other son, Jason, as uh, his wife is a chiropractor. Jason's the executive producer for the television program. He went to school. I never dreamed when we sent him to school for this kind of stuff, that he would work for me. We really weren't even thinking about television. But he, because of that, because we preached the future, yep. we started to recover our life. You know, I, I think about you as a pastor, and you know, called to be a pastor, what you're doing in Winchester, and what we're doing, and I look at our own local church and see the quality of life. I, I just, I looked around last, I said, how many of you have a better quality of life and are enjoying the journey yeah. with Jesus because of what we preach to freedom from the law and the grace of God that really gives you back your life. And all of a sudden, we start to do what the Scripture says. Walk with me. Work with me. See how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't put anything heavy or ill-fitting when you keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. But the thing he's saying here is, get away with me and you'll recover your life. Jesus came on the scene and he said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He's not just talking about when you go to heaven. He's talking about this quality of life right here. And I'm afraid that half the problems that people have even in the religious world have been problems that have been caused by religious concepts and ideas that have robbed our marriages. They robbed us of our looks. You know, I remember when they preached to the women, you know, don't wear makeup, don't wear anything in style, don't fix your hair. I mean, you know, the men looked like they fell off the cover of, you know, Fortune 500, and the women had to look like Granny from the Beverly Hillbillies, you know. And I can remember my mom would say something one time. She said, you know, I saw a saint of God down at the grocery store, and I knew she was a saint by the glow on her face. And I'm thinking, Mom, that ain't a glow. That's from not wearing makeup. I mean, that's a shine from no powder. You know, in other words, you could pick, and I'm not putting them down. If God told you to dress like that, then that's totally your conviction. 
But I'm going to tell you what, my wife was drop-dead gorgeous when I met her, and I told her, I said, whatever it costs to keep looking like that, you don't even have to ask me. Here's the MasterCard. Don't leave home without it, you yeah. know, because it gives her value, gives her self-esteem. It gives me, I think she's attractive, mm -hmm. and I want her to stay that way. And so, you know, she told me the other day, it's costing me more for her to look like that, but nevertheless, I believe sometimes religion has been the thief uh -huh. that's robbed us of living right now in our promised land. Yeah. I don't want to steal all the time. I've got a couple more minutes. Go ahead and talk no, if you've got no, something you want to add to that. But. I, you know, I was just thinking, you know, I was on the phone the other day talking with another pastor that's, you know, around my age, growing up, kind of hearing the same stuff, and we were just talking, uh, you know, we were just kind of talking about the Word and, and being excited about it. And my wife was sitting in the passenger seat. We was on our way somewhere driving in the car, so it was on speaker. And she's sitting over there being quiet, and halfway through the conversation, I looked over, and she's, you know, she's bawling. And I, I, so I got off the phone, and I thought, you know, so I thought maybe something happened. I didn't know I was talking or, or something. So I got off the phone, and I asked her what's the matter, and she said, well, I was just thinking that, you know, we have a good life. But she said, but the things that even as we begin to declare even more of the goodness of God, she says, our daughter will never have to, wake, uh, or our children will never have to grow up even with the bondages we grew up in, yep. you know, and sometimes, you know, if nothing else, I, I said to our church the other day, I said, you know, there are some walls that we've built up in our mind that will never be able to be, you know, that may never get tore down. You know, we've just built yep. them and they're, they're the hurts, they're the things that we keep separating, may never get tore down. But perhaps we'll declare something that those walls will never have to be built in our children's minds. Yeah. You know, that uh, there are some things that, you know, even as much as we love God, there's some things that we're just, religion has caused us to build walls of separation even between us and God sometimes. Yeah. Now, I love the song that there's no wall he won't tear down. Yeah. You know, and so I'm glad when God does No mountain tear, he won't climb up. You know, he coming after me. Yeah. You know, and I'm glad for that. But there are sometimes there's just some things that have been, been, yeah. some, been such strongholds that it keeps us really from really enjoying our Father and what he wants to give us. We've built those walls because that's what religion has done. But if nothing else, like I said, maybe we'll preach to a generation that those walls would never have to be built, and they'll yeah. be able to have a relationship with God unprecedented. Yeah, you know, and just really where where the blessings of the Lord come easy. Yeah, you know, take on me my you know His yoke because it's easy. Yeah, you know, really, that's what my hope is for my children is that I preach something so good that those walls never get built. Yeah, and they can enjoy the fullness of the land without ever thinking about do I really deserve this, mm -hmm. but begin to inherit it because they know it's theirs. Yeah. I think sometimes, Jeremy, we got to do like the children of Israel. We got to go to the wall and shout at it. Yeah. We got to blast a long, loud blast from a ram's horn, and a ram's horn comes from the death of a male lamb. And the yeah. more we preach this finished work, the more people will recover their life. Maybe you've tuned in today and you're thinking, "My Lord, man, this speaks to me. I need to recover my life." Let me tell you, the first step is to get in Christ. If any man be in Christ. He's a new creature. You can turn your life around today and step into your promised land simply by receiving the forgiveness of sin, asking Jesus to come into your life and let your Joshua bring you into your promised land and fulfill all the dreams and promises God's made to you. Um, we're just going to pray that for you today in Jesus' name. We're about to run out of time. If you have uh, uh, enjoyed this program and you'd like to sow a seed into the ministry, call the number on the screen. Uh, if you don't get an answer, please leave a message and a phone number, and we will return your call. The easiest way to do it is to go to the website, and there is a place there where you can give online, or you can write a check to Lynn House Ministries and send it to the address that will come on the screen. Tune in again next week, 
as our prayer for you. God bless you. The word repentance means to change your mind. The message of John the Baptist and of Jesus was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is accessed by a change in our thinking. If you are in outer darkness, there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That reality is not always out in the distant future. It is in people's lives right now. One simple mind shift can move you out of darkness and weeping and into light and rejoicing. God wants to wipe all tears from our eyes and replace our weeping with joy.